this is the Minnesota Sports Insider Podcast. Here, we talk about all things Minnesota sports. Wild, Wolves, Vikings, Twins. We cover it all. Try to take a deep dive. We try to break down players' development, how the trade market looks, how our GMs are evolving over time, and everything all Minnesota sports right here. Welcome back to the Minnesota Sports Insider Podcast. Uh, we have Sky Larson here today. Uh, we've had we've had him on the last couple podcasts. Uh, kind of touched on the Wolves and the in the Patrick Beverly trade the other day. Um, today we we have something that that I think some fans would enjoy. Uh, you know, some fans would really like to t- talk about, and it's maybe the future of the Minnesota. Timberwolves. We have something important to go through today, Sky. Um, it is, it is the the predictions. It is the evaluation, and ultimately, what we think Anthony Edwards can become. Um, before we get into this, do you is there is there some areas that you want to talk? You want to cover? Is there something that you think that we need to hit on when we talk about Anthony Edwards today? Uh, I think we should hit on the his work ethic and how how hard he works um, behind the scenes because I feel like some people don't know about that because the quote that came out during his uh, recruiting of the NBA draft there was a quote that I mean most people know it said that uh, it was questioning his work ethic if he loved the game or not um, so I think we should we should hit on his work ethic and. Yeah, it's the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head. Right. And I think we'll also go through um trajectory of his of his season, obviously. Um and, and maybe some comps and kind of uh parts of the season that uh where where he excelled at and stuff like that and, and what he could improve and what we think he, he likely is to improve. So that being said, let's get this started. We're gonna talk about some Anthony Edwards stuff. So first thing being first. Um, let's just paint the picture for Wolves fans. Last offseason, we come into the to the draft, right, Sky? And and I think you you might remember this like I do. Um, you know, we were we were projected to get the third pick, and you know, a lot of Wolves fans were like, "Can we just not get the fourth or the fifth or the sixth pick? If we just hold our position, because more times than not." It seems that we usually go down. Actually, I think there was a stat that like the last nine out of ten times we were in the lottery, we went down instead of up or maintained. So, um, just hoping for some luck. You know, a, a two would be amazing, a three would be amazing. We end up with the number one pick, and at that point, there wasn't a consensus number one. There was the thought of Lamelo potentially being number one. Um, there was the thought of Anthony Edwards potentially being number one. And, you know, even even James Wiseman was one of those guys that could have gone one as well. Um, there was when, when I remember, I, I guess before we really get into it as well, like do you remember some of the stare like you were talking about. Let's talk about like the things that when we were scouting him, because we struggled with scouting him, um, you know, like we, we there's a lot of negative. You looked at his his efficiency numbers and, you know, we, we saw some red flags. What, what were some of the red flags that are? are initially that you were worried about when you watched Anthony Edwards before the draft? 
yeah um just reiterating that there there was that quote um where he said he where it was like he wasn't sure how much he valued the game and i think that quote was pretty much just um kind of a thought from edwards uh referring to how football was his first love and not basketball because um he grew up playing football and he didn't play basketball until eighth grade so i think that quote kind of got mishandled and it was just a one-time thing he said. And then um, going further, when we were scouting him, I know uh, for sure his, his shot, we were not, we were very shaky on his shot and especially his Mm -hmm. three point shot because he shot in the low thirties at Georgia and he shot quite a high volume. So we were worried if his three point shooting was going to translate, um, because usually every single prospect's numbers percentage-wise goes down once they hit the NBA because the three-point line is farther back and the defenders are better. So we were worried in that aspect. And then also just his instincts. Um, I, I remember specifically uh, we both thought that he made a lot of boneheaded plays, um, and we weren't really sure if it was a situation of him trying to play hero ball at Georgia because Georgia was a was a sub five hundred team uh, with him on the court, so and there wasn't much help around him, so we we weren't really sure if uh, those boneheaded plays were him just trying to do too much and 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 kind of like that. So yeah, those were some yeah. some issues that we saw or I saw. Yeah, and to, to break off of that, another one was is is defense. You know, um, you didn't see, you see saw a guy falling asleep at times um, on defense. You saw a guy that was willing to have the ball in his hands on offense, but that didn't translate to defense. Um, I guess a concern is, is could he ever be a two way player? You know, yeah. And I'll echo the same thing. We were we were definitely I was concerned, very concerned about his shot, um, and and. You look at it. I think he shot twenty nine percent from three. Um, is is only year one and done year in in Georgia. Um, and yeah, he's an underager, and he had to go through some paperwork to make sure he could play. So, it, it was something that was it was just not a known thing um, that he was going to go number one. It could have been again Wiseman or Lamelo or him. And it, it, you know, now let's fast forward it. You know, so we get to draft day. And um, there's all this anticipation, you know, so the big move for the Timberwolves to put around D'Lo and, and, uh, and Carl. And we, and we pick Anthony Edwards. There were some rumors that we could trade. We could trade, we could trade for a, a player, maybe a star player. Um, there was some Miles Turner speculation and all those things. Um, and ultimately we held off and, uh, and we picked Anthony Edwards and, I know initially me and your reaction wasn't the most positive reaction. Um, I think we were fixated on, you know, the front court. If you want to speak to that, uh, why do you think at the time that we, why do you think we were so fixated on, on, on not Anthony Edwards? Yeah. I mean, cause it was a glaring issue that we needed someone next to towns. He was towns was, all by himself, uh, no defensive help. It it was well known that the T Wolves uh, 
were terrible at defense, especially in the front court. And Wiseman was sitting there, arguably one of the better defensive front court prospects to come out in a long time. So, I mean, we were, we were fixated on that part, I think. Yeah. And I mean, his, his length and yeah, that size that he could, he could really give in the front court would have been awesome. So, um, but you know, so we, 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 we end up coming to terms, you know, within I think a day or two after kind of digging up more about Anthony Edwards. I mean, I think we started to accept it fairly quickly. It, it didn't, it didn't take until necessarily even the season started. I think we started to start liking some of the things and dispelling some notions and some myths about um, who he is as a person, like the article that came out the night before, I think it was from ESPN or it was sports illustrated and, and, you know, just trying to trying to say that he didn't care about basketball that much. And, um, you know, now going into the, the preseason, um, you know, you, you saw some flashes of uh, athleticism. He still questioned some things and, so now we're going to get into Anthony Edwards' uh, regular season kind of kind of breakdown. So his first um, his first month or two here, I'll let you talk about it. Sky um, uh, was with Ryan Saunders, and how did that kind of go? How, can you lay out that for us? So the way that I put it is, Ryan Saunders was terrible for Anthony Edwards. Um, the first, uh, the first two months, Anthony Edwards played about 25 minutes per game on the court, December and January. The season started at the end of December. Um, and he was playing 25 minutes a game, and he was averaging, first month in December, he was averaging 15 points a game. And then in January, that went down to 13.3 points a game. And that, that might have been uh, just uh, – a rookie getting used to the NBA. I mean, can't be certain, but I I think I really do attribute it to Ryan Saunders just not allowing the rookie to get the adequate minutes he needed because as soon as soon as Ryan Saunders got fired, I mean, those minutes started shooting up and it went from his minutes in January from 25 minutes to February to 33 minutes a game and that that's just a huge leap and um, immediately his numbers started going up as well. So I'll let, I'll let uh, you go from there. Yeah, I'll say the, the one big thing difference when Finch came on the scene is he, he put the ball in Anthony Edwards' hands at half court. And he didn't – uh, Ryan Saunders continued to put, put him in the corner, put him as a spot-up shooter, put him off the ball, um, and, and then put him – put him on the court with Ricky Rubio and it, it was a spacing disaster. There was, cause we were starting Beasley at the time. There wasn't a lot of, of shooters in our second unit at all. And you were an- asking Anthony Edwards to play 25 minutes a night and not be the primary ball handler coming off the bench as the number one pick. And you watch his usage rate and in, in college basketball. And he was one of the top five highest use used players when we talk about usage rate, it's talking about the ball in your hands activating the offense in the half court. And and he, he was not being allowed to do what well, well, it got him to be the first pick, you know? So 
that that was a, a major concern and, and it's that's why it's just to me it's it's not you know like you said like could it be him adjusting the nba yeah yeah it could be but to me it's just clear signs that he was just put in the wrong pos- position to succeed and it's, you throw those games away as a fan when you're evaluating his total season because about the end about sometime in February is when he started to figure it out. I don't know if you have those numbers up, but you want to rattle? Do you have those numbers up, Sky? The end of January, you're saying? February. End of February. So, yeah. So, that, the numbers get pretty insane. So, in February, he averaged 16 points a game. And that jumped from 16 points a game to 24 points a game and his usage rate like you're saying went from in february 24.4 percent to 31.2 percent which is that's elite that is a very high usage rate in the nba and his numbers skyrocketed points per game i mean even his uh field goal percentage went up too it went up five percent from 37 percent to 42 percent um with the higher usage rate. So and that and that's what makes it so impressive is most players if um you start getting used more your efficiency either stay it stays the same or it slightly drops and he seemed to get better with more chances with more ch- balls the the ball being in his hands um he started to take on more of a leadership role even as a rookie he started to to start games consistently he 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 started to pl- get the ball in his hands late, and it wasn't just D'Lo and you know it, his cat that at, at that point in February wasn't was kind of hurt still, and and you start seeing this player really get a chance towards the end of February and then into March, right when we we fired you know we fired uh, Ryan Saunders, um, it, it just became a different story. So there were some stats I wanted to to ring out here. So um, his final 25 games of the year, he put up 25 points per game, five rebounds and four assists while shooting 47% field goal and 36% from three point land. Um, Why is that so significant Um, is the last. So the last player to ever average 25 points and five rebounds or more in both those categories for a 25 game stretch in their rookie season. Okay. The only player to ever do that was LeBron James in their rookie year. Okay. And it's just crazy to me because, um, people like, well, some people, if it, some people like, well, let's temper expectations because it's just 25 games. But the crazy thing is, is that there's this thing called the rookie wall. That's very, very, that happens to almost every player. In fact, even Lamella Ball, the guy who won rookie of the year, when he came back from his injury, he wasn't playing quite as great, maybe because he was injured. But not, even Zion, even he had a little injury issue. And Ja kind of struggled the year before. Um, wrapping up the year just slightly, kind of hitting the rookie wall because you go from college playing literally 30 games max, 32, 33 if you get to the the, the end of the tournament. 
And you go from that 30 games to 80 games or in a COVID year, 70 games. And it's literally double the amount of games at a higher level, playing better athletes, traveling every night. Not You're not playing two games a week like you were in college for three or four months. You're playing three to four games a week for six months. It is a huge and it's a much different workload. It's basically like, say you're trying to go to, you're, you're doing like your job for 40 hours a week and all of a sudden it changes to like 70 hours a week. It's a massive difference. Okay. And especially when you're in a physical activity and mentally that's draining. And we saw Anthony Edwards go through a coaching change, a role change, and then, and then having to adapt to all these things. Like Finch has a different system than Saunders. Okay. Like he had to learn, kind of start learning new, new terms, new terminology, new, new schemes. And in the process, the middle of the season, um, he, he, he figures it out on the fly. And he not only like doesn't, doesn't need to take time to adapt to Finch, he, th- he flourishes and he instantly is, is just dominating. And I mean dominating because, again, not Akeem Olajuwon, not Michael Jordan, not Shaquille O'Neal, not Kobe Bryant, not Dwayne Wade, not Kevin Garnett. No player in their rookie year for a 25-game stretch, doesn't matter where it was in the season, has ever put up 25-5 and shooting 47 field goal percent as a freaking guard and 36 from three. And that's, to me, it it just outlines that we're – and it's funny enough, those were the last 25. I mean, he was getting better and better and better as the season went along. Like, his last 20 games, he had 10 games of 30 points or more. Half the games of his last 20, he had 30 points or more and five rebounds or more. His last 20 games – he almost averaged six rebounds a game as a guard, as a lead guard with the 30% usage rate. And that, again, is pretty crazy. So, you know, I don't kind of, I just want you to react to, to those stats and, and kind of tell me what that means to you. It's crazy. Um, I think just reacting, gut reaction is, I, I just think that it shows how well Anthony Edwards reacts to adversity you were saying he went through a coaching change um a role change um the the rookie wall you said didn't affect him he powered through that extra workload that he had to handle i think that speaks volumes to the effort he puts forth to like power through those tougher times especially when the wolves were games i mean that is just mentally draining um and I think some of that goes back to him losing his mom and his uh, grandma when he was in eighth grade. He lost both of those huge role models. Those are basically his two caretakers, um, his right. two parents. Uh, he lost those two uh, when he was in eighth grade in an eight-month span. And that's, I mean, I can't imagine how tough that would be on him. And what I found was shortly after that, um, he started working with a trainer. It was a family friend and he put in so much time in the gym. Like there, there's stories where he would be in the gym at midnight and people would be calling him like to come home, like, Hey, where are you? And uh, they were worried about him, but he would just be in the gym. So I think that, uh, yeah, it just speaks volumes to his, how, how he'll power through that and thrive. 
I love that. I like that little story that you you brought there. It's a, it's a good little antidote. Um, you know, you to to go off that still, you know, he, he's just he just is so good at responding to adversity. Um, there was one quote that it just like it it made me get up out of my seat, re get the remote, press rewind. And listen to it about three more times. About middle of March, we had we started, we got our team back, kind of like besides Beasley, and we started to to win a couple. We won a couple games, like two out of three. And when there was some confidence, you started seeing the locker room after the post game, when the reporters would be asking questions, a little bit more looseness, a little bit more positivity amongst our main players, but. We had one game after one of, a couple nice wins where we just, you know, didn't come out to play. And it, it was against, like, I think it was against the, the, the Grizzlies, and we lost by, like, 24, 25 points. It, it, was, it was just a wash from the, the, the whistle on to start the game. And after the game, um, Anthony Edwards shows up at the table by himself, and he's, and he's asked by Johnny Krasinski, the athletic, um, what went wrong tonight? What happened? That was what, what was the difference between tonight and la, the last game? And Anthony Edwards pauses for a second, looks like he's collecting himself, and he says, You know, um, when guys fuck around during shoot around, and when guys are looking at their Instagrams, um, before the game, and guys are not studying their game plans with intent. This was his quote, like word for word. He swore a couple times, and but it was calm. And you hear a 19-year-old rookie say those things in the middle of a, a, a horrible year. And, and you start to think, this isn't just talk. This is... What this is the this is the beginning as a fan is what you should see as what kind of leader he can be, and what kind of person he will mean to this organization. We, I think we see as a collective, as a fan base, that we see his positive energy. We see how funny he can be. Um, how, when he ever whenever he talks and opens his mouth on a live mic, it's always an entertaining show, right? It's from Marty Gellner to his press conferences, to things with Slam Magazine, from after game stuff, it's always been a show with him. It's always been funny. And I think people sometimes forget about the core of who Anthony Edwards is. And you go back to, to high school, to Holy Spirit in Georgia, to his prep school. You go back to Georgia. You go back – and you look at even this year and you see a lot of things that are just st little pieces of who he's going to be as a leader. And I'm, I'm looking at some of the quotes he made down the years. Another one that um, I think Britt Robson uh, asked him of your evaluation of this season. And he said, I think next year we need to come in um, a lot more focused. I think we got to take our off seasons more serious. And he said, I know I will. And he left it at that. And I, again, like how many rookies, how many rookies actually say those things? And then like 
it's not just like he's smiling and saying it. He's saying it, and he's looks pretty serious, you know. Like, and he's coming off his best stretches stretch of games where he's legitimately averaged almost twenty eight points per game his final ten games of the year, and he's not smiling like that. Like he's like, nah, we ain't good enough yet to be smiling. Like, and all he cares about is winning. So I don't know. I, what, what, do you have any takeaways from some of those quotes and what that could mean to you? But I mean, first of all, I think uh, he knows that like feeling sorry for yourself does absolutely nothing. And I feel like that's what some people on our team end up doing. They, they try to find excuses and stuff like that. And he knows that's, that's not how, when times get tough, like you put in the work instead of crying about it, kind of. Um, I mean, yeah, immediate takeaway from that, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's just uh, really refreshing to hear because I'll just hate the break of people. And I'm not, I'm not throwing down Towns or Delo, but Towns and Delo didn't have those kind of comments. Very pointed, very um, careful, you know, like, and, and that's something that, that I'm excited to see as he grows is, yes, it's Carl Anthony Towns' team now, like this second, maybe, and maybe he thinks that, but Anthony Edwards, this, I, I would be shocked by next offseason if we're not talking about Anthony Edwards being the main leader on this team. He is a type A personality. Okay, and his play on the court is a type A personality, meaning he's dominant and he's taking control. And Carlton Towns plays like a a fairly type A personality on the court in terms of offensively, but his personality as a leader is definitely type B. He's more passive. He's not going to lead by always example, meaning his work ethic and the things that he says to focus the group back in. And that's okay. Some people aren't cut out to do those things, and that's fine. But this team needs those type A personalities. And, yes, we did get one with a Beverly, but we need our best players to be that dominant focus of this is what we're going to have to do. And it, it, that's, to me, just a huge a huge part of him uh, developing in, into a superstar. So, um, you know, something that I, I wanted to look at – so comparisons i'm gonna let you go first guy i want you to just take your time on this and just kind of go through a couple players that you think kind of break down his game so first like anthony edwards his game what's what are what what does he how does he get into the best part of his game if that makes sense like what does he do um that allows him to be successful at the nba level on the court um, I think everything for him uh, stems from his his driving ability. I think he has a very, very nice first step. It's very quick and explosive. And um, since it is so quick and explosive, it, it makes defenders scared and almost back off of him because the defenders know that he could blow by them at any minute even if the defenders are in perfect position uh edwards is just that strong and fast and he'll he'll get past them and he is very strong at the rim as well he can finish through contact so i think uh every everything for him starts with that because once he 
shows that on the court and defenders start feeling that they they will inevitably back off that's just a natural thing that defenders will do and then when they do that um he'll get those open looks from three and he'll be able to put another make the defenders even more confused oh like should i back off or should i play him like ride him right next to him because he might pull up from three so i think uh, that's where his game starts. Yeah, and you got some you got some comparisons for him, some players. Um, and explain explain why. Yeah, uh, Donovan Mitchell because he's he's so explosive, um, and athletic and powerful and strong. Donovan Mitchell's kind of like that. He can drive, get into the lane, and Donovan Mitchell's smaller. He's like three inches smaller, so that just shows you how freaking strong and explosive Donovan Mitchell is, but um say Donovan Mitchell's a good comparison and even even early young uh Derek Rose because just of that explosiveness like that that's pretty crazy to say that uh Anthony Edwards could be that explosive because Derek Rose was like the most explosive player in the NBA. It's how he won his MVP award. Uh, but so those are a few comps I guess. Yeah, I I'll just I'll just break down his game and then I'll get to my my comp that I don't think a lot of people see, but it's funny because he talks about this guy a lot, um, and I I didn't come across it until about this week. So first, his his game, um, the one thing that that will continue to be something that is an elite trait that will not go away anytime soon over the next decade, um, is his first step is absolutely explosive and that first step allows him to create downhill and allows the defenders to also have in the back of their mind knowing I got to stag off a little bit here because I'm going to get beat right now. And, and that also allows him to pop and shoot a three open. And the difference is, is that he's more a more willing three point shooter than D Rose was at this point. And I agree. It's a great comp by the way. Um, a, a D Rose Westbrook type player in terms of the, the way they attack downhill. And, you know, like both those guys, Westbrook and Rose couldn't really, and were, were kind of reluctant to shooting the three point um, throughout their career. I mean, they were good jump shooters. They could finish at the rim, but I mean, D, I, I'd guess I'd venture to guess that both D Rose and, and Westbrook's career three point shooting is, 34% or worse. And I'm, I'm looking at Anthony Edwards and he's, he is not scared to shoot the three. He caught fire at the last, the last third of the season shooting almost 35% um, or th- almost 36%. Um, and, and that first step is just such a, a dynamic thing because you don't even need a screen. Think about that. Half of the NBA all-star guards need a screen to be effective and th- to get into their action, to get into their offense. Like, Devin Booker isn't going to beat you str- one-on-one constantly. If you watch Patrick Beverly guard him, he gave him fits, a lot of fits in the playoffs. If I'm, I mean, there's some tape on that too. But, you know, and Devin Booker, mean, he might be one of the top 15 players in the league right now. And – you know, I watch Anthony Edwards, and he don't need a screen. Now, I even at 19 years old, he don't need a screen. His ball, that was a thing that just caught me off guard. 
his ball handling is very good at this age with his power. With the, he, he's a 6'4", 225-pound linebacker playing point guard with a ridiculous first step. I mean, it it's kind of remarkable to see to see how quick he can move. Derrick Rose wasn't that big. He's like he was like 205 pounds his first year or two. Right? Like he was not that big. And he could not explode to the rim like that. Like I I I honestly think that he's an overall better athlete than Derrick Rose. And his handles are only going to get better and better and better. And I will say that his ability to handle the ball in his left hand while a defender is on his right hip is very impressive for how young he is too, which allows him to really work off the offside and to get to places where he needs to be, um, you know, with, with his non-dominant hand. And, and that's just, it just creates a whole other thing. Like most guys pass out of that. As soon as you get on the right hip and you give him some pressure and you got the, the, the sideline out of bounds right against the corner. He's not afraid to keep dribbling and shielding with his right side of his body because he's that strong. He's that confident. The other thing that I'll break down is um, the beginning of the year, he didn't have a floater. And he was he was actually like not – he wasn't using his, his non-dominant hand that much for finishing at the rim. And all of a sudden, um, around the time Finch came, it's it just like he flipped a switch. And I'm seeing him finish tremendously hard shots with his offhand at the rim against Rudy Gobert, against um, against some of the better bigs in the league. My, I've seen a couple times against Miles Turner, um, one time against Ben Simmons. Like his ability to finish with both hands and, and then gather with the right hand and then take two steps, or gather uh, with his left hand and then take two steps and finish through contact was remarkable. And and then I was like, okay, well, you're going to need a floater because there's going to be some guy sagging in the paint and they're just going to wait to take a charge and there's just going to be too too much of the tall trees. And, you know, he's going to he's gonna need to, to learn how to do a floater. And, and I'm like, I mean, that might take a year or so. And at, at the middle of March or no, it was the beginning of April with like 20 games to go or so, I'm starting to see him shoot these floaters like from like seven, eight feet out. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. Like that's, that's pretty buff average for a rookie. It ain't LaMelo ball good yet. Cause that's elite for his floater, but it's starting to get pretty good. And then I'm like, all right, well, you know, he, he might need a left-handed floater, but that's not necessary, right? Like you don't need a left-handed floater. That's just like kind of icy on the Cape kind of thing. And, and then I saw some of those even, and then I, and, and to kind of fast forward that this off season, he, you look at his tapes and he's practicing his floaters constantly and they're looking extremely smooth given that there's not an actual defender guarding him, but like, it doesn't look like it's awkward or slow or it, it just looks really smooth for a 20 year old. And, and, and that ability, if he, if he's going to have that floater game, he can finish at the rim like that with both hands. And I think the thing that people might be sleeping on is that this kid legitimately might become an elite three-point shooter. And I'm not talking about 36 or 37%. I'm talking about if he's in the 38 to 39% range at the high volume of shots that he's taking, that is the definition of elite. 
once you start taking eight to nine threes a game, like he already did at the end of the year, when he shot 36% on high volume, like people consider D'Lo in a much above average three-point shooter. The last two or three years, he's been averaging 37%. That's above average. And he's shooting at high volume. And he's already showing that he can do those things. And I saw somebody break down his, his shot. And it was about a month into the season. And the one thing that people loved about his shot is the amount of revolutions he gets on his, the backspin of his ball, the rotation of the ball. He gets like Steph Curry, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, um, Joe Harris, JJ Redick, and there's a couple other guys that are in like the top 20 for most revolutions or most complete turns of the ball on the backspin when they're shooting a three. And he had one of the highest ever recorded in college when they did that stat. And I'm looking at a shot. I'm like, yeah, he gets a ton of rotation. He's getting, he's getting more importantly, what that means is he's using his fingers and he's not pushing the ball. He's shooting correctly is what the guy was getting to. And that is something that's extremely important when you're watching him and you're starting to see, like, there was one point uh, on his Instagram um, where like it was unedited. You can completely tell it's completely unedited. And he made, what was it? He made 25, three straight from about five, like five steps behind the three point line. It was about a week ago live. And it was like, I mean, I I don't even care if you're Steph Curry, like the distance of where he was and he made 25 in a row is pretty ridiculous. And then he puts up like five, like six half court shots in a row. Like, and he didn't change his form. His form stayed the same on those half court shots. Like that's another thing. Like his form is extremely repeatable and his, his process of going from the ball dribbling or, or he's crab dribbling to he's instantly like getting into a shot motion is unbelievably quick. If you watch that, like it's, it's remarkable. I don't know if he's going to ever be blocked very much. So this leads me to my comparison and remind me, Skylar, we're going to get into his defense after this. Okay. We're going to talk about the potential there, but um, I want to get into my comparison. So the long, if you go back in history from his high school days to the t- days he, he played with Tom Crean, there's one guy, and he, and he said it before the season. He said it on draft night. He said it during the season. He's always maintained the same answer. His favorite player to mimic or to watch and to learn from has been Kevin Durant. And it's funny because Kevin Durant's 6'11", and – you know, you see Kevin Durant play, and you're like, why would you compare Kevin Durant to Anthony Edwards? And I don't just say it because it's Anthony Edwards' favorite player. I say it because their games look extremely similar the way they attack in the offense. They're a lot different in hype. That don't take, do not get that messed up for how they get to their spots. Because you watch, first off, Anthony Edwards is going to have a, it'd be a hard time blocking Anthony Edwards' shot because his release is super high. Okay, which is fairly similar to how Kevin Durant shoots, even though he is already tall. Second, the 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 way of which he comes up in like when he's dribbling into his shot is extreme. Look at his feet and look at look at the way he dribbles before he gets into his shot is extremely similar to Kevin Durant. And then look at also his ability to basically 
finish at the rim at a young age with his left hand in traffic at full speed give me total vibes of Kevin Durant. And then finally, his ability to to score and become like his last 25 games, dude, he shot 47% and 36 from three. Think about that. How many guards in the league that are all-stars that have been in the league for five-plus years put up those kind of numbers outside of Steph, Kyrie, and Dame? Like, there's a couple more, but there's not a lot. You know, like, James Harden ain't putting up those those kind of numbers. Like, James Harden might be around there for three-point, but James Harden's, like, at 43% for his field goal. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a lot of guys. And I'm, I'm looking at his ability to just be a pure score on all levels. Can he finish? Absolutely. Can he finish with both hands? Yes. Is he developing a floater? Yes. Does he have a, a, a good jump shot? Yes. It, his three-point isn't what KD's was right off the bat, but you can start to see the makings of a guy, in my opinion, when I watch his shot now, of a guy that can definitely be outside of towns, our second best three-point shooter by this year. Yes. And yes, potentially even better than D'Lo at shooting threes. And that is the in- interesting thing. Um, he's a guy to me that in, in, in 10 years from now, I would, I, I would think that he's going to lead the league in scoring a few times a year or a few times in that 10, in that 10 year span. He he's a guy that's going to put up 25 to 27 points a game. I think consistently going forward and you know, his rebounds and assists will be interesting to see where they go too. his playmakings, his playmaking and his like his passing and his defense are the two things that I want to get into. So sky, what do you kind of let's lay out his defense. Where is his defense at right now? And talk about, um, the realistic chance of of him improving his defense just this year. Um, okay, first of all, I want to say that that KD uh, comparison is very interesting, and I it's it's a good one. I think it's uh, I can see how you you laid out how he gets to his shots. It's just like KD. I mean, I'm even thinking in my head right now the way the way he shields the ball when he's dribbling. With his mm-hmm. non-dribbling hand, I can even see it. Like it's a little KDS, but um, yeah, uh, his defense. Um, I would say it was subpar for his rookie year. It got better towards the end. Um, he he had like over a steal a game, if I'm not mistaken, his rookie year. So yep. he, he had the deflections and and the steals. So that's 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 a good sign. Um. And I think the potential going forward this year uh, is very good. Like we were saying, he's so athletic and so quick and explosive. Um, and his feet move incredibly fast. Uh, I think uh, with that athletic framework that I would venture to guess if you teach him and he practices, he, he will be able to stay with um, most of the guards in the end. Because he's so quick and strong too, he he won't get pushed around. Um, so I think he has the ability this year to jump up to a plus. Th- I do too. I I think he's at least league average this year. And I saw last year. I think 
the issue with analytics is that sometimes a lot of our stats, like um, defensive metrics upon 100 possessions or uh, plus minus readings, they all have their negatives, meaning sometimes the players around you just affect your overall team so much in those stats, and you're part of that. And yes, one player like a Giannis can make a massive difference, but when you don't, but more times than not, when you don't have an amazing front court defender like a Giannis, like a Joel Embiid, like a Rudy Gobert, when you don't have an elite or a Miles Turner, when you don't have an elite front court player and you only have one other good defender outside of that, it's it makes it really hard and your defense is still going to struggle. And, and, and you know, because Marcus Smart is a great, really good defender in Boston, but guess what? He's got two three other really good defenders around him. Jason Tatum is no slouch on defense. Jalen Brown's a very good defender, you know, like, and those guys can can guard the one, the two, the three, and the four. So when I look at Anthony Edwards' stats, you're going to look at the surface, and you're going to see per 100 possessions, when he was in the court, it was 115 points per game allowed. And when, you know, and it's a negative five, diff, you know, plus minus rating um, per game. And that's a testament just to the Wolves not being a very good team, not having very good depth, not having very good defensive players. The only good defensive player that was a positive player last year um, for our team was Jared Vanderbilt, and he played limited minutes. So, you know, like when I when you go through the tape and you start to watch after it goes over to Finch, um, you start to see Anthony Edwards continuous, continuously – do very well on his matchup. The like he never he rarely got beat or let an easy basket or an uncontested shot jumper um, when he was one on one. Even when he, the switch, he started to learn how to to defend the switch and how to communicate and when to go over, when to go under. You know, like it, it just became better and better and better. And it's it, like those. Those things are so interesting because he went through a coaching change and the rookie wall could have hit him. And instead he just literally got better and better and better. And yes, we all look at his offense that got drastically better from January to February to March to April and to May, but his defense like legitimately got so much better. Did you know, this is a stat from Bali, Bali sports um, that from April on and the season went to the middle of May. I remind people because it was a COVID season. Okay, so the last 25 games of the year, Anthony, this just blows my mind. And I found it off Twitter on Bali Sports uh, website when I typed in Anthony Edwards um, stats or D stats. Did you know he was fourth in the NBA in deflections in his last 25 games? That's awesome. Like that just blows my mind. Like. He actually was like making a difference um, defensively and getting in passing lanes and being sneaky and kind of being heady. And, and, and I mean, those things are just not normal. And I'm watching, like you said, his athleticism and his body and his lateral ability. And he has all, he has it all. Like, is he as strong as stout as Marcus smart at six foot three? Yep. <laughs> is he stronger? Is he just as quick and as explosive as Marcus smart? He's quicker. Um, is he long, just as long as Marcus Smart's insane wingspan? Yep, exactly the same wingspan. So you start to like look at those things and, and then hear him talk. He once said, one of my favorite players to watch is Kevin Durant. 
but not just for his offense because he's one of the best two-way players in the game. And I, as a fan, forget that myself. Like I look, I think of Kevin Durant, and I literally think he's one of the greatest scores, if not the greatest scorer in NBA history. You know, for being efficient, from just scoring at will. When you need a basket, he's giving you a basket from any level on the court. And like, but he he went on to kind of like talk in the interview of ESPN about, you know, Kevin Durant's defense is people forget he's a four-time all NBA defender four time. Like that's up there with clay Thompson for the amount of times he's been an all NBA defender. And that's something special. Like he talks about Kevin Durant's defense. I think he wants to apply that to his game as well, because there were at times when clay Thompson wasn't on the court that KD, when he was with the warriors was the best defensive player along with Draymond green, if not better than Draymond green. And he was guarding the best player in the finals a lot of those times, which is something. So, you know, Anthony Edwards, I think, can can really be a net positive defender this year um, in terms of watching the film. The stats might lie a little bit, but he's not getting beat one-on-one. There's a couple matchups I was looking at. Luka Doncic was one, um, guarded Kawhi Leonard a few times, and he gave them problems because – I was a bit when he got low to the ground and dug in, he was he was a menace. You couldn't get past him. You weren't gonna shoulder him out of the way. You weren't gonna, it, you know. He was even smart not to take dumb fouls at times, and and to play without fouling towards the end of the year. His his fouling his minutes went up from twenty five to what was it thirty three or something minutes the last two or three months of the year, something like that. 33, 34 minutes. He add nine minutes to his gameplay, and his personal foul stayed exactly the same, and that's 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 impressive to me. Or he was close to it, so um, I think his defense is interesting. Sky, the last thing I want to talk about is um, what what do you what do you envision uh, Anthony Edwards' trajectory now as we look at him? Um, do you detail kind of what what kind of player he'll be this year? What kind of accolades do you see him getting him in his future? What do you think that looks like for Anthony Edwards over the next 10 years or so? Uh, well, we've been talking him up quite a lot and I think for good reason. Um, but so going forward this year, um, I mean, if we are a 500 team, and if if the Timberwolves get into the playoffs, I think there is a legitimate chance that he is going to get a lot of all-star attention. Not saying he'll get the all-star nod, but um, I think he will be seriously talked about as an all-star this year if, if our team performs to a 500 level or a playoff level. And then going forward uh, in the next 10 years, um, outlook i mean i see no other way besides him being our best player like he's already our best leader as we've described um he has a very likable personality um he he will be the face of the franchise i mean i'm sorry carl anthony towns you had your little moment for six years uh it's not gonna be you anymore i really do think it's going to be Anthony Edwards as the face of the franchise moving forward. 
Um, and if Gerson can put the right pieces around him, I I see playoff series wins. I I see deep playoff runs. Um, lots. I mean, I see a lot of accolades. I mean, All Star nods. I mean, I don't want to say MVP level, but because that's a lot to say. But I mean, he will be one of the better players in the league. I think if if the organization doesn't fail him like it has failed so many other players. Yes, and if you go to Vegas right now, if you need to fly down there for this kind of bet, because they don't have these kind of bets in Bavada or online through Minnesota, but if you went to Vegas out right now and you put $100 in, you potentially could make almost about $100,000 if you bet on him going into the Hall of Fame right now. So you'd have to wait and hold out for about 20 or so years but you might cash in at a hundred thousand dollars, and this is this is my thing about him. I think, like you said, if we're a five hundred team around uh, 45 games in, and that's when the the All Star voting gets really hot, about 20, 30 games before the end of the season, and we're a five hundred team and we're around the ninth spot, I I'd be hard to 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 not see him getting top votes. Um, at least like where he gets in or close to the all-star game, I can totally see him getting some votes and I don't know if he would get in this year. Maybe it takes another year of, of the wolves proving it, but just him being on the fringe or being talked about as a guy who could sneak in is that would be remarkable in year two for a player, you know, like even as a guard, that would be absolutely crazy. And I will say if his defense even takes another step up, and like it, like let's say like his deflections were elite the last two months of the year, and his his steals per game were like a pretty impressive rate the last twenty five games of the year. If he takes that even a little bit higher, that's when you might say, okay, he might actually sneak in as one of the last guards in the All Star in the West, and that's pretty in, insane to me. That's pretty cool. Um, as in, in terms of now long term uh, picture, if he becomes an all NBA defender, which some people are like, haha, there's no way. Are you kidding me? I just disagree big time. I think he's got absolutely that potential. And I think he like before I used to question his drive at some parts of the season, I don't anymore. And I don't think I don't think he's just gonna be a one way player. And that's just some people's beliefs. That's just my belief. But if he becomes an all NBA defender, I have no question in my mind this man's going to put up anywhere between 25 to 30 a night. Guarantee it for 10 years straight. Yes. And if he does that and he's an all NBA defender, you can only name about five guys in the NBA that are all NBA and that are average 25 or more and that shoot 45% field goal or higher. There's literally five and every time. And all those players are literally MVP type players. I will go on the record and saying he will win MVP. I think he'll win one or two. I think it's a good chance of it. And I will say that if he's an all-NBA defender, um, whether it's second or first team, one of the top ten defenders in the league, and he does this and he plays and he stays healthy and you know and he plays like he's 35, I think there's a very good chance of him being a Hall of Fame type talent, even without rings. And 
on top of that, if he becomes that that kind of defender that I've been talking about, and he puts up 28 points per game, which, again, people that are listening, 19 years old, the last third of the season, he put up 25 and 5, shooting 47% field goal as a, as a guard. Okay? When he puts up 28 points and he's a all-NBA defender for multiple years in a row and wins an MVP or two, there's there's a serious case to be made that the end of his career, it's like we're making long shot predictions. Nothing's a certain, nothing's a guarantee. We all know that, but I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to say this. There's a serious chance that I think he could be a top ten player of all time in NBA history. There's a serious chance. Scott, you have any last thoughts about that before we wrap it up? I mean, I I would love to see it. Um... But uh, no, I think you you said 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 a lot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, you know, with Anthony Edwards, there's 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 just so much. Uh, there's just such a a new level of. I remember a few years back when we had Levine and Wiggins and Towns, and it was the beginning, and it was before the Levine injury and before training for Butler, and there was that thought of man, man, like we could do something. We have like three dynamic players. And to be quite honest, I haven't felt that way. Like I know the Butler year was really fun, but I haven't felt like that way um, for a long time. And I feel like now with Anthony Edwards' potential rise and and then you put him around Towns, that might be one of the better point guard or lead guard, center, power forward combos in the NBA right now. I can't tell you a guard in a center that's a better fit than these two guys. Um in terms of the pick and roll, in terms of spacing, they both can shoot, they both can finish. They're both going to be probably fairly efficient. So, I guess that's all we have on Anthony Edwards and thank you for joining us.